Last night when I came back from leading worship, I talked to my wife and she said, you realize every time you've came to St. John to find always something big was going on. The first time I came here is right before I started Hebrew, which is a 10-week or 8-week course, pretty intensive. And then uh, the next time was right before school, so you have all that angst. And then, of course, this time, the birth of our son. So if or when I come back, I hope it's when the Browns win the Super Bowl. Or maybe the Buckeyes win national championship, either or, I'll take it. So this week when I called Pastor Muse on Tuesday to explain what was going on, I could hear a pin drop, and I reassured him. I go, my wife and her mother have both said I should come. I've already kind of gone through this, and they got things covered, so I'm so thankful for them that I'm able to be here to speak to you. And of course, having a child changes you, so of course I had the sermon mostly done, and then rewrote it because things change. Because looking at my son as he is born and looking at his fingers and as they were grabbing them that night on September 11th, I was looking at him and I was thinking, man, you're going to be a quarterback one day. You got a good grip on that hand right there. I want to teach you how to throw a spiral. I was looking up and I saw Aaron Rodgers. I'm like, one day you could be as good as Aaron Rodgers. Then a couple plays later I saw you might be better than Aaron Rodgers now. I'll tell, I'll tell the Jets that you're ready to sign with them any day. Wanting to teach my son all the sports, all the activities, his grandfather's so excited to teach him how to fish and everything, but of course there's more than just that that you want to teach him, right? And in today's gospel lesson, we see Peter teaching a lesson that one day I have no doubt I'm going to have to teach my son as well. So you see in today's gospel lesson, Jesus teaches us the right way to handle when someone sins against you versus the world's way. When it comes to the world's way, when someone sins against you and being a new father, of course, you're very protective of everything. And I can think of my son one day coming to me and saying, Dad, someone hurt me. What should I do? Should I forgive them? And right now, my answer would be like, no, don't. Walk away. Leave. They hurt you. Okay, they're family. You can forgive family or their close friend. That's fine. Second time, you know, give them a do-over, right? We all give people second chances. You know, or if they're family, you know, sometimes you give them third chances or a very close friend. But what do they say? After three strikes, you're out. Right? That's the world's way of handling forgiveness. They're like, yeah, forgive them. Yeah, but, you know, don't, you know, just wipe your hands clean. Move on. Well, in today's lesson... We see Peter coming before Jesus. I invite you to turn to page 5. We're kind of going to work our way through this a little bit, so feel free to look down. So Peter comes before Jesus and says, Lord, how often will my brother sin against me and I forgive him? As many as seven times. We kind of give Peter a bad rap, but how often would we forgive someone seven times who hurt us? I just talked about my son, how many times... If I see someone continually sinning against him and hurting him, how often would I want him to forgive them? Would eventually I say, just give up already. So I can't give Peter a hard time for saying seven times because that might be six more times than I myself have forgiven someone, right? Look at your own life and when someone has sinned against you or you have sinned against someone else, have you been there to withhold forgiveness? 
My degree originally is in psychology. I've actually been at that great conference where Pastor Muse is at. It's an amazing opportunity. And part of being in psychology and the counseling people, you work through those who have hurt each other, and you talk about forgiveness. And worldly psychology textbooks really give you a great you know, outline of like, hey, here are all the steps you need to follow. And I say great in the way that like, it's worldly great. Like when someone sins against you, make sure they're sorry for it. Make sure they've done acts of repentance and shown you. Or maybe when they say they're sorry, they tell you how they're going to make it right. And then give them time to show. All of which is kind of along the lines, I think Peter, the answer Peter was hoping. That Jesus would respond to him like, well, you can forgive him eight times after he has shown he's sorry for him sin. After his time, he has said that, shown that he has repented and he really shows. But instead, Jesus takes the worldly view of forgiveness and turns it around. And we see that specifically in verse 23. Immediately, Jesus said to him, I say to you seven, I say, I do not say to you seven times, but 70 times seven. You see in that phrase right there, Jesus takes forgiveness and does a few things with it. And I want to share a few things with you as we're going to focus through the parable. But a few things in that one phrase that Jesus teaches us. First, when he says 70 times 70, he's saying that Jesus is telling us that his forgiveness is not limited. That it's ongoing. And that's a big thing. Because the world and us and Satan wants us to limit forgiveness. Wants us to put conditions on forgiveness. But Christ does not put conditions upon his forgiveness. With that number 70 times 7, he's saying you're going to keep forgiving and forgiving and forgiving. When they ask for it, you forgive. But also, he's saying forgiveness is for all too. Forgiveness is not to be limited by number or limited to those people that you know, think deserve it. It's to be given to all. Also, from this forgiveness is where we ourselves have the power to forgive others. It's our foundation. I can teach my son many things, maybe how to throw a spiral, maybe how to fish or hunt or things like that, but I can't teach him how to forgive because that comes from God alone, from Christ. Because think about it, when left to our own means we're just like Peter. We want to put conditions on forgiveness. We want to say, yeah, but we'll forgive you if you do these things. No. We forgive because Christ on the cross forgave our sins. And that foundational building block is what my son hopefully one day will use to forgive others. And hopefully I will demonstrate to him that when others hurt us, that we forgive them. Not because I'm a good dad or a good person. It's because Christ forgave us. And I'm not to limit that forgiveness to others. And finally, in this one phrase, Jesus is setting up the power and the magnitude of the cross as forgiveness for us. And what occurs on that cross changes everything. So that one phrase, the disciples were probably like, okay, and they're unpacking it. And Jesus immediately jumps into a parable. And it's a great parable. And so we're going to kind of work our way quickly through it. And so we have a kingdom. And in the kingdom, we have a king. 
And the king has a lot of responsibilities, don't they? And one of the responsibilities is to make sure the kingdom is financially stable, right? Well, there's a servant. And the servant, and it says in there, it says they owes 10,000 talents. And I looked it up in a couple different commentaries, and they tried to do the math. And with inflation today, it's, I'm not good at math. My wife is a math teacher, so she will be going over the homework for math with him. Not me, because, oof, that'll be bad. But basically, the amount of money that this servant owed was winning the Powerball one time over, two times over. You've got to win the Powerball twice to potentially pay back how much this servant owed the kingdom and the king. Which justifies then what the king was going to do. And we see right there where the king was saying he was going to sell his wife and children and all that he had for payment to be made. And notice it doesn't say full payment. Just something was going to get back. The king had no choice. He was like, listen, we got to get, you, got, you owe this. We're going to pay it. You got to, this is how we're going to pay it. And that sounds extreme. But remember, the debt is extreme. Does that sound familiar to us and God? How big is our debt to God? As when I look at my son, I see how perfect he is right now in my eyes. I know that he is a sinful, wrathful being. Especially when I change his diaper. <laughs> For sure. I asked my wife how things are going this morning. She's like, great, he ate and changed his diaper. I'm like, yep. But he's a sinful person. He is separated from the love of God, just like we are. And that debt that we have, it doesn't matter how great he will be or how great I am or what you have done, we have a debt that never can be paid to God, no matter what we do. We have that twice-over Powerball debt owed to God through our sins. And so we're that servant. So what did we do? What does that servant do? We see that servant right there fall on his knees, fell on his knees imploring him to have patience and I'll pay you everything. And out of pity, the master released the servant and forgave his debt. The king knew that he was never going to have a chance to pay that, but he forgave his debt anyway. And so what does the king do? Or what does the servant do? The servant goes out. And instead of taking the love and forgiveness that the king has given him, what Jesus has given us, that love and forgiveness, what do we do with that? When someone else has hurt us, what do we usually do? We use that forgiveness as a weapon. And we see right there the servant doing the same thing. He goes out, he finds someone who owes him a hundred denarii. And a good way to figure this out a hundred denarii is basically a McDonald's value meal. After preaching here on Sunday, I went down there and I got a number seven, the double cheeseburger. It was less than $10. That is how much that person owed the servant who had just been forgiven the massive debt. And what does he do? The servant asks to forgive. And what does this person do? Instead of reflecting the love of God, reflecting the forgiveness of God, he chokes him. Because by worldly standards, if someone owes you something, you better get it back, right? Well, the son, or the servant right there, throws him in prison, does the same thing that should have happened to him. He takes the forgiveness given to him by the king, and he throws it on the ground and tramples it. Because now that servant thinks he is king. How often in life do we feel that we know better than God? 
God, you know I can't forgive that person because, you know, yeah, but all the things that they did. And so we see that servant throw him into prison. And then other servants see and they talk to the king. And the king goes to him. And I love this phrase, you wicked servant. When you look at it in the Greek, it kind of says wicked, but also another translation could be evil. You evil servant. This evil servant who had been shown grace and forgiveness from the king had taken that grace and forgiveness instead of sharing it with others, sharing it with those who owed him basically nothing, he threw it on the ground. He was acting on worldly standards. And how often we do that as well. And so the king comes to him. And his anger, and he goes, you wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me. And you should not, and should not you have had mercy on your fellow servant as I had mercy on you? Because remember, our forgiveness comes from Jesus. Not what we have. It comes from Jesus. And we're to reflect it and share it with others, not hoard it not use it as a weapon. As I had mercy on you, and in his anger, the master delivered him to the jailers until he should repay his debts. And we know that that debt will never be repaid. And here's where we have this really linchpin of a verse that we're going to focus on right here. So also my heavenly Father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from your heart. When looking at the commentaries and looking at people who had done other sermons on this, they focused on that word heart, which is very, very important. The word heart in Greek is cardia. We get the name cardiac from that, cardiac surgeons. So when my son was born, okay, you're waiting for that scream, you hear that healthy scream, and then they come out and they start cleaning them off, and then once that's done, they take them over to the side, and then immediately the nurse or the doctor puts the stethoscope on to listen to what? His heart. And I know how anxious that is a little bit, because one of my very good friends, Trevor, his son had to go through multiple heart surgeries, because he was born, there was a hole in his heart. His heart wouldn't work right. And so every time the nurses would come in, and when we had on Friday his appointment, the doctor listens to his heart. Because from his heart comes his life, correct? Without his heart, there is no life. And so when we are going to forgive someone, it better be from our heart that gives life to each one of us. And we see that all too clearly on the cross. Because on the cross, we see our Savior's heart stop beating for us. It stopped. He died. His blood, his heart stopped beating for us because we had a debt that could not be paid. It, he died. His heart stopped beating so that debt could be paid. And then he was buried and that wasn't the end though. That should never be the end. The end is that he rose again. His heart beat. He ascended into heaven. And he sits at our Father's right hand, if you've heard that a few times. It's important because he sits at his Father's right hand, reminding him that when we sin, when we fall short, he goes, remember, my heart, my blood upon that cross was for them. And so when we forgive 
others. It must come from our heart. That peace of our body that we cannot live without. As humans, we even try to put automatic and artificial hearts in there, and they're not even close to being the same. I looked up and they said an artificial heart can only work at 70% a human heart. That's amazing. We can do amazing things with technology, but we cannot re- recreate a heart, can we? No. And so when we forgive people, we must forgive them from the heart, the part of our body that gives us life. Because upon the cross, Christ's death, His heart, gave us life. And we are not to withhold that from others. So, as I go on in life, I've not even been a dad for a week. Friday will, or not Friday, Monday will be a week. I hope to teach my sons lots of things. My son lots of things. Just as this lesson was taught to us, I hope to teach that to him. That when he is hurt by someone, when someone comes to him, and it almost made me cry thinking about that, going, Dad, someone hurt me. Like it kind of gets me going right now. But when someone hurts you, I hope that instead of working by worldly standards, he looks to the cross and he sees Christ. And he takes that forgiveness that Christ has given him that he did not deserve and he shares it with others. And by doing that, he is reflecting the love of Christ. And so as you go through this week, I have no doubt you're going to run into someone that you've had a grudge with. I can think of my own life when I've you know, had someone with a grudge with, we didn't forgive each other, it just kind of like was going, we we're almost frenemies, where you're like, hey, we're friends in public, but we can't really you know, privately stand each other until we talked and forgave one another. And we restored that relationship. That's what I'm encouraging you to do this week. You're going to find someone that you have hurt or has hurt you. And look, to forgive them from the heart, to restore that relationship just as Christ upon the cross through His death and resurrection restored us to God. We are to take that and reflect that to the world because right now the world really needs it. Right? The world needs the love of Christ. And we are to share that love and share that forgiveness with others. And so I'm hoping throughout my son's life that he uses that lesson that Peter asks and that he reflects the love of Christ to all people and all things. And that we remember, no matter how great a debt we have, no matter what is going on, we can come humbly to God our Father with our whole heart and ask for forgiveness and He will forgive us because of what Christ did upon the cross for us. And so let's continue to use forgiveness as God created it, not as the world created it. As Christ on the cross died for us, that is the forgiveness we are to have and to share. Amen.